welcome to this episode of the Charlie Kirk Show. And if you're watching this, it also might be on Godspeak YouTube channel. Boom. Is that right? That's right. Double posting as always. We are here at an undisclosed location fighting for freedom with my two good friends, <laughs> both of them pastors with courage. My pastor, Rob McCoy, and my good friend, Jurgen Matusius. Yeah, Did close. I say that right? Uh, yeah, Matesius, Matesius. Okay, I was within the... Yeah, you're I very close. Within the margin of error. <laughs> Massively in the margin of error. Get as close as you can to the margin okay. you can. Done and done. That. Okay, um, there you go, Matesius. So I'm going to just take notes while you guys teach. So, Rob, what's on your heart? Well, I I think as as we're navigating these waters, and I had brought this up to Jurgen, uh, that the, the, the moniker we get participating in politics is we're labeled by the press as dominionists. Now, I don't know, you know, that there's, there's hard dominionists, soft dominionists, and anywhere where you have somebody participating in politics, they label you that. So, so just, I, a lot of our listeners yeah, don't know I understand. what the gospel is, let alone dominionism. So, so I you're understand. going to have to explain this. So dominionism is this idea that Christians are to take dominion of the earth. It's out of Genesis 1.28. Um, and, and we're to have dominion over all, all creatures. So uh, the, the two schools of thought in Christendom is that we speak the word. It's similar to your sermon last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you speak the word and you, you obtain dominion over it. And here at the table, uh, Jurgen would be a hard dominionist. I, I would be labeled a soft dominionist. I believe Christians should be involved in politics. I'm a medium dominionist. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a you're right I in the middle. I got you. Well, you're in the middle. That's We knew that. So, <laughs> so I don't know what to do now. No, I, but, but the idea is I do believe Christians should be in politics. Um, and and this, this idea of speaking it into existence, there's differences in Christendom in relation to that. So that's a fun one. But the one thing I, that, that the two of us, even though we're different in our theology, the one thing that we have in common is realization that however you look at it, we need to be involved. Mm. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so funny because I got saved on a beach. So, you know, my theology is, is kind of kind of firsthand revelation from Christ, from reading the scriptures and then you know maybe having arguments as i went through theological seminary mm-hmm. so you know what what i see in the scripture and I, and I believe that a lot of what is uh you know maybe called soft dominionism i think what what dominionism really means to to break it down and make it simple is that god created sons and daughters to to have authority over the earth and the Bible teaches, sadly, that uh, that there's there's the wicked and the righteous, and that there's a there's a war, there's a battle over the planet. And I honestly believe that the areas where the wicked rule, it's not because of a lack of God, but really an apathy or an indifference or a disengaging. So Hosea four six says, "My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge." So I believe that we. You know, we are fools to not be engaged in politics. We're, we're fools not to uh, be uh, front foot on being engaged in culture, being mm-hmm. enca- engaged in education, in praying, in understand, yeah. understanding our authority, the weapons of our warfare. You know, the Bible says in, in Christ are not, uh, are not weak, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And so, so I've seen that, you know, so God works on two dimensions simultaneously. He works on a micro level and a macro level simultaneously. And, and 
you know, when, when we look under a microscope at, at the, the intricacy of a, of a snowflake, the detail, the, the design is amazing. And then when we look through a telescope into the vast expanse of the cosmos, the detail is mind-blowing. So God works both at the same yeah. time. And so I've found that there's a congruency on what works for me personally is also what works for me family, community, city, nationally, globally. So uh, if I could ask a question uh, as a devil's advocate, because I have two pastors around, so I have to use the term <laughs> devil's advocate. It's a joke. I, it's a good one. It's You're like... so funny you forgot to laugh. But Jurgen laughed. <laughs> I get this question a lot. We get it emailed yeah, to yeah, us. Please. Yeah, and yeah. Anyone watching can email us, always yeah. freedom at charliekirk.com. When you're saying devil's advocate, I thought you were talking about me. That's why I was worried. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's an expression of the advocate of the opposite position. Right. Okay? Yes, I love it. Is a question I get all the time, Jurgen, yeah. and we've talked about this and we've looked at it all different ways, but it's still predominant. Christians, stay away from politics, not worthy. At least pastors will kind of say, go vote your values. I'm not going to preach this from the pulpits. Why is this not biblical well first of all no nowhere and any pastor that says to you you should vote your values is i'm so glad you caught you. that yeah you should not, vote god's values always vote god's values you know jesus said yeah, that's a good word when the disciples said lord teach us to pray like john taught his disciples to pray he said it's very simple our our father not my father our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so the earth reflects heaven the most when God's will is done, when God's will is rejected. When you go to places where there's oppression and violence and poverty and trafficking and exploitation and destruction and misery, guess whose will's not happening? God's will. And so, and that happens because people voted their values not God's values. So, uh, you know, Rob and I would agree that, that man is hopelessly flawed. The Bible says that we are born with a bent towards sinfulness. That's why we got to be regenerated. We have to be born again of God's spirit and, and allow his regenerative power, that, which is called sanctification in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's the making of of us wholly purifying so don't vote your values vote biblical values and you'll see biblical results well, and just outside of voting because voting is just the very minimum mm -hmm. which not even every christian does and i find this to be a really perplexing point where a lot of people email us they say i'm never voting again because i think the system is broken and i say well how long does it actually take you to vote like 15 minutes at most mm -hmm. so like what kind of selfish outrage is that yeah. let's pretend your vote yeah. is invalidated sure just from a very simple, mm. logical, mm. just a logical equation, the upside of voting could potentially be making the difference in an election, yes. like in Iowa. Mm -hmm. The downside of not voting could be making the difference in the other direction. The downside of voting would be that my vote doesn't count, which means I would have wasted 15 minutes. It's, it's one of the worst arguments ever. <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee you that yeah. the not voting will have a negative impact. Yeah. I can't yeah. guarantee you that the voting will have a positive. Sure. It's it's actually one of the most simple and yeah. one of the most simple logical constructions I could think of. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not voting again. That was a waste of time. How 15 minutes off your life at most if you go vote early. Like that was a real thing I'm never going to do again. Yet you'll wait an hour and a half in an out burger. 
yeah. go get a yeah, pile exactly. of calories that will require <laughs> yeah. an angioplasty. Yeah, yeah. It comes with yeah. a side of Lipitor. Yeah, <laughs> that that I'm gonna do again. Yeah. But the or, double double, hello. Come on, it's worth thirty minutes. Of course it is. But your republic <laughs> is worth more than a double double. Exactly. And our, our children's future. Just, yes. Just minor details. Yeah. Minor details. And yeah. how many people? They. The point is that. And by the way, it's not a small amount of people. They say it's just so broken. I'm never voting again. Yes. And we got to stop that. Yeah, it's apathy. Yeah. Well, you know, I even think it's it's an apathy and it's a discouragement. That's what we we had after this election in, in our church because I knew a, a number of people that actually. Uh, helped organize a lot of the the Trump boat rallies, mm-hmm. and and even one of the the uh, boat uh, the, excuse me the Trump car rallies, and they had thirty four miles thirty never seen in California yeah. before, and you know and many of these people came up to saying oh pastor you know what you know we're we're kind of done with voting what's the point and I and I saw that they they weren't doing that because they just needed re encouragement and they need that word hey yeah. You know what? It, it it may be there may be so much fraud in the system that it may be invalidated, but don't quit. That's what they want. They will win yes. if you don't vote. Let's not give them that. Well, you, Let's take that fifteen you, minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, even if it's an hour of your life. It's worth it. They won't have to do any shenanigans if you never show up. That's right. It's that simple. Exactly. Be present. Yeah. If you decide not to show up, then you have mm. just given them what they've always wanted. Yeah. Which is your apathy becomes mm. their mm. monopoly on power. Right. Yeah. So, so with the idea of what he was talking about with dominionism and, and then how you described it, so, so he would be a kingdom now theology. I'm more of a reconstructionist. But either way, wherever we're kind of placed, the, the fascinating thing about it is both Jurgen and myself believe Christians should be involved in the governance of the nation. Um, now, the... The left is going to label us all dominionists and somehow try to make that term. Why do they do that, Rob? Because they 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 want, in a sense, to shame us or mock us into us wanting to have a theocracy over the land, as opposed to participating in in a pluralistic society to contend. But that's not what Jurgen believes. No, no. no. So that was that's more of a misinterpretation. I'm just it's, trying it's, to understand. Yeah, just, it, it is a misinterpretation. I'm learning alongside the viewers. <laughs> now, now, if you go <laughs> with, no. if you go with, uh, is it Bill Johnson at Bethel? Yeah. If you go with his idea, it's a little, uh, for me, it's it's an area I struggle with, quite frankly. Okay. And I don't even want to get into it. Sure. I don't find Jurgen anywhere near that. And. But the two of us together find commonality because we believe Christians need to be involved. Mm. Now, the idea that that they're that non-Christians can be in government, I accept that. That's the Galatians three model, where the law is a school teacher to point us to Christ and keep us safe until faith comes. Mm. Let us all row in that direction. Mm. Laws of nature, nature's God, revealed knowledge, so that we can instruct children without you know th- that the law can be used in such a capacity mm. to see God. Mm. All creation speaks of the glory of God, so they start to see him. And, and we want to govern our lives in such a way to flourish. And we do have that picture of an imago day that, we, that, that we're created in his image, and we want to obtain excellence. But the secular progressive left labels us dominionists to somehow dismiss us as people who want to conquer and destroy anyone else's. But nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. It, it, it's the Christian worldview that creates a pluralistic society. 
that's what I was going to say. They're throwing homosexuals yeah. off buildings in the 1040 window, longitude yeah. and latitude, yeah. where 90% of the Muslim world exists. Yes. But here you have mm-hmm. you have freedom. Yes. Now, freedom can lead to bondage, but sure. that... Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say... I, inter- I interrupted you. You're no, I, no, no I, th- I thought you were pausing there. I was just going to amen what you were saying. I was just changing clips. Oh, <laughs> and it was a good clip change, you know. But... Um, you, you go right around the world, Charlie, and it's it's what they accuse is the biggest lie of the devil because it's it's Christianity that actually because we believe in free will. So so I was speaking two two Sundays ago in church, and probably one of the most provocative revelations I've ever had is the first thing that God does with man is He gives man life. He the Bible says in Genesis two uh, that God breathed into Adam's nostrils mm. the breath of life. And Adam went from an inanimate to an animate, like he was animated. Everything, all the systems, his central nervous system, his immune system, digestive system, respiratory, every system comes alive. Mm -hmm. The next chapter, God puts him in a garden and says, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat except for that one. You can't eat off that tree because it's mine. So a lot of people say, well, hang on, why would God do that? The reason God did that was because he was showing Adam, not only have I given you life, but I've given you freedom. Because if you don't have the freedom to choose wrong, you're not free. This is how powerful, this is how secure, this is how magnificent, and this is how, how, how benevolent and gracious and good our God is, that he gives us free will knowing that we could have the, the option to reject him if we wanted to. So um, we have some people that email us and they say we do not... They they would call themselves Calvinists. Yes. Uh, what do you, what do you do you agree with that? I, yeah. Look honestly, I, that's probably uh, my book. Push pray until something happens. I wrote because of the massive problem that I have with with five point Calvinism. It's the, because the, the, they talk about the depravity of man and that uh, that we we have no influence over God. And yet all the way through the Bible, what, what are you talking about? God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham intercedes and God, you know, recants. God, um, Jonah gets out at Nineveh and preaches yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And uh, today we'd kind of be on YouTube claiming that Jonah was a false prophet because God spared Nineveh and his prophecy didn't come to pass. So we see God moved again and again by men. In fact, Ezekiel 22:30, God said, so I sought for just a man among them who would build a wall, stand in the gap, cry out to me on behalf of the land that I might not destroy it. So even in my, my devotions today, God is speaking to Moses and he calls Moses up on the mountains. This is so funny. I love God. God is brilliant. He calls Moses up on the mountains and Moses trudges up to the top of, of Mount Sinai. He gets up there and God says, now listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back down and tell the people not to come up. <laughs> he's like, you, you, you couldn't have told me. So he's going to go all the way back down, tell all the people don't come up. So then, so then God says to him, and this is why lest the people haven't sanctified themselves and the Lord break out against them. So, so God saying they can't come up lest I break out against them. Then you fast forward a few chapters in, in Exodus 33, the Bible says, or 34, Moses says to the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And, and it's the, the question that he's asking is beyond, beyond. But God is so accommodating. God says, you know what? There's a place by me. You'll stand on the rock 
and I'm going to put you in the cleft in the cliff. There's a, there's a crack in the cliff. I'm going to put you there and I'll cover you with my hand so that as I pass by you, my face you won't see. No one can see my face and live. But as I pass by, I'll proclaim just my goodness, just one aspect of God, like a, a tiny little fraction of God I'll reveal. But the reason that God covered him with his hand was to protect Moses from God. Because God is perfectly gracious, but he is also perfectly holy. So the Bible says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Mercy and truth go before him. Judgment day is truth undiluted. Judgment day is you stand before truth and there is no mercy because you rejected mercy when Christ came. Christ hanging on the cross is God's mercy. The truth is I deserve to go to hell for all eternity because I'm a sinner. I was present at every single transgression, at every single violation of God's law that I committed. But Christ came and hung on a cross and he took the wrath and the judgment. So when I stand before God, I am covered by his mercy. So the truth is blocked by his mercy. And so judgment day is where you've, we've rejected the mercy. And now we have to stand, you know, in, in truth. So, so there's these two dimensions. So I, get all, I go all the way back to the, the people that say that um, human beings have no, really need to go back and read the Bible. So what they've done is they've thrown out uh, scriptures with a doctrine or, or a theology. And I think that if you have a, a theology that has contradictions with scripture, you've actually got to change your theology rather than change the scripture. Mm. What do you make of that, Rob? Uh, my studies show me that Calvin was an attorney by trade, and he wanted to take indulgences and salvation out of the hands of man as the Catholic Church had mm. held that over humanity's head. So he worked backward on tulip. So you have total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and preservation of the saints. Starting backwards, he wants to preserve the saints. How do we keep that out of the hands of man and keep it completely with God? Mm -hmm. And so the tulip works backwards. And the, and the one area that, that I struggle with is limited atonement. Mm -hmm. and, and it's John 3.16 that mm -hmm. I struggle with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like with our, our group of pastors, you got Sam Musgrave. And Vishal, I believe, is a, is a Calvinist as well. So, again we're all in, in opposition in different views, although we're more aligned. Mm. And you have Calvinists that are probably very different than us, but we all agree we need to participate. Now, I do know this, that man has free will. How can God be completely sovereign and, and man still have a free will? I don't know. I have no idea how to explain that with a temporal mind, nor can I explain the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three are one, and they talk to each other and answer each other, but uh, yeah, that gives me a, you know, I get stretch marks on my yeah. brain. <laughs> I can't explain that either. But if I could explain it, that means God's only as big as my brain. And yeah, trust me, he's not exactly. worth worshiping at that point. Let's yeah. just give it up. Mm. So I, I, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not an Arminianist. Mm. I'm a what's, Biblicist. What's Ar Arminian was uh, a theologian who uh, really <laughs> emphasized the free will of man yeah. in the same way to, to the detriment of the scriptures, mm. avoiding... And, and taking scriptures out of context to put the free will of man mm. in, in such a profound place. And that, that would boil down to where you stand on, on that spectrum of Calvinism and Arminianism. Um, that's where you're going to be a, uh, like a strong dominionist or, or a reconstructionist. Um, Calvinists are typically reconstructionists, that we can participate in that process because that's where God calls us. We set up his kingdom on the earth. We're, we're observing. So... Mm. 
it, it, it's varied. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not an Arminianist. I'm a Biblicist. But this is the last thing. We got lots of time. Well, I know. <laughs> but I, I hate this topic, so this is the well, why. No, so you guys brought it up, though. He did. He did. <laughs> no, I'm just taking, I'm learning. <laughs> I know. I, it's uh, good. Uh, Arminius. I'm going to throw something out there. It's going to be very provocative in a second. Well, let me, try, let me just say this last part. And for the record, I'm learning. I don't know about yeah. any of this theology stuff. Nothing about it. I'm just and and, and I, I would say that I'm scraping the surface of it. I, I don't go that deep. But I, mm-hmm. I, the, the older I get, I'm 56 now, the older I get, the more I see the sovereignty of God. Um, and, and that's, and, and I'm not a cessationist, which cessationist means that uh, you believe that certain gifts died with the apostles. Mm. I'm not a cessationist. Although I was educated early on in my Christian walk to be a cessationist, I've seen the gifts used, the ones that they say are no longer here. I've seen them used and I, I believe them. Although I'm not, uh, I, I don't practice in that realm. Sure. Uh, I just haven't thrown them out. Your group of churches, or, or I would say your fellowship, does practice in those. Yeah. You're not going to hear anyone speaking in tongues in our fellowship, although we believe the gift is yeah. is for today. Yeah. You're not going to hear anyone speaking in tongues in our church, but in your church they will. Yeah. Um, if we do, we'll have an afterglow where there's interpretation and it, and there's prayer language, all this stuff. Growing up. I longed to have that supernatural gifting and and that connection. But the more I've engaged in the political process and just the day in and day out grind, Mm -hmm. I've come to rely on his sovereignty and his presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an interesting progression or transition in my life. So, Mm -hmm. and you were going to say a game changer. What are you going to do? What's your provocative statement, Jorgen? So, uh, if, if, you, if you really want to mess with people's heads and, and begin a really, really great, a really great conversation. That's what know, podcasting is for, long-form in a, podcasting. In a provocative way right? is... Yeah, uh, that's what yeah, yeah. The, and this is not just short snippets. Well, so yeah, yeah. so he, he, here's, no he, here's a truth that, that, will, that will certainly uh, create some controversy. The most powerful force in the universe is the will of man. The, the will of man, this is how God created it. The will of man can shut down the will of God. And I'll explain. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. In Matthew, Jesus says that hell was not prepared for human habitation. That hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And yet we know that human beings will end up in hell that there are humans that are in hell. But they are, not, they are not in hell because God willed for them to go there. They are in hell because they chose with their will to reject God. So let me just dig down deeper just, you know, because I know that people are going to be emailing in. And how could a loving God send I, people I'm already hell? getting the emails and we haven't published the, story, the episode yet. So watch this. What, what, what is hell? What is hell? So a lot of people, well, you know, it's a fire, it's Gehenna, you know, and so most people will go immediately to to try and find uh, explanation through, you know, through through biblical words. But hell is very, very simple. And if if you take the the whole counsel of scripture, hell is the place where God isn't. So, you know, people say, you know, how could a loving God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, if you actually read the story, Pharaoh hardened his heart first. 
Romans 1 tells us that's, that because they did not, God gave them over to. And then because they did not, God gave them over to. So here, here is the, where the fear of the Lord comes for me, that God will ultimately give me whatever I want. And so the people that end up in hell are the people that don't want God. So God gives them what, he, what they want. He gives them a place where he isn't. So the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. So guess what's not in hell? There's no joy in hell. There's weeping. There's gnashing of teeth. The Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Hell is a place of darkness so thick that it can be felt. God is peace. Hell is a place of torment. So hell is the one part of the, the universe that God has removed his presence. So even the people that end up in hell, go, but but human beings when god gave us free will our free will so jesus no, you know rob and i would agree that jesus had no sin no sin yet jesus in gethsemane has to pray three times father if it's possible for this cup to pass by and me not drink it please nevertheless not my will your will thy will be done so even jesus saw that his will had the possibility of canceling out the will of the Father. It's a good little provocative so thought. It's, Rob, do you have a response to that? Because then I have a, an interesting uh, wrinkle. The, the response I would, I would give would be, I, I would think a Calvinist response would be, um, that would be a very troubling statement to yeah. take the sovereignty of God uh, and and subject it to being less powerful than the free will of man, and and that's and, and that's and that's you know and that's obviously a vernacular that they would use less powerful. Yeah, they, 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 and that pendulum would swing over mm -hmm. where they're going to say, "I'm not putting that in the hands of man," and that's why they create tulip. Yeah, so uh, I, I would say that I'm physically more powerful than my wife, but if I have to overpower her for her to do my will, then. No, I get I'm that. not a good husband. I get that. But we could go deeper and kind of tear that up or pick that apart a little bit. But I'd. What were you going to say? No, I just I find all of this very interesting, and um, it's it, it that's a that's a profound thought process. And, and and I don't know if I agree or disagree with. No, it, and, and there's going <laughs> to well, be people, there's going to be people listening that immediately are going to yeah. be burdened by it. I, I'm yeah. a, I'm a very What's a good thing. My, my Christianity is the inerrancy of Scripture, good man. the deity good. of Christ, deity of Christ, yeah. the triune God, yeah. good. death, resurrection of Christ. Yes, yeah. death, and burial, so resurrection. It's interesting, um, yeah. and what I find to be so fascinating about all this is we have this group of pastors that, um, boy, if they were all sitting here, that it's would a, be a, it's eclectic. We, no. There would be so much disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a, there's, a, there's a point to it, um, which is that <laughs> that I and as I've been in the political world. Yeah. Uh, as a Christian, mm -hmm. now coming into the Christian mm. world, mm. I find that the uh, principle that did keep the conservative movement together uh, post-Reagan has not been applied to the Christian world because it just didn't have to be, which sure. is, you know, if someone is 80% your ally, don't make them 100% of your enemy or adversary or whatever. Yes. And I think that a lot of these theological yes. disputes, which, again, I'm not sure. well-versed enough to... Mm. Go to Hosea mm. four six or Ezekiel sure. twenty two thirty. Yeah. Maybe one day I will sure. be. Now you could. Um, and what I think that was really interesting though is we're starting to see 
pastors of all different theological views and denominations now all of a sudden uniting on something they can all agree on. Yes. And that is, the I don't want to say the basics because it sounds so trivial, but the big stuff. Yes. And then also, what do we do now? Yeah. Okay, Mm. we got different eschatologies. We Mm. got different um, beliefs on the will of man, or Mm. do you actually have will? Is it an aberration? Mm. Is it a trick? But then yeah. we also, but we're all agreeing though on action. Yes. Is that is that a fair way to yeah, despa- pack that? Desperation brings inspiration. And when the grass is high, the fences disappear. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, uh, we all come to this on a, uh, as we're being challenged as the bride of Christ, which I believe is a multifaceted mm-hmm. diamond. And mm-hmm. there isn't a denomination that has it right. Now, there, there are denominations yeah. that think they have it right. Um, and they're going to be shocked and, to see some of us there. And that's the arrogance. Yeah. The, as soon as someone says, I have the only or the most correct, the, 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 the arrogance, the hubris to say that, you yeah, know, we'd agree. So what, what this has done is we're, we're all... Figuring it out. It, well, but we're all being forced to be unified. Yeah. Uh, and, and find commonality, endeavoring basics. to keep the unity of the spirit mm. and the bond of peace. Yes. Yeah. So you're seeing guys at a table, and if we brought that group of pastors together that are growing across clamoring. the country, it would be crazy. Mm. But all of us are saying, wait, we'll never have these discussions around the table if liberty in this nation is gone. Yeah. Well, and look, here's something that I've learned, that when you have something as true, which is the total truth yes. of Jesus, yes. something as powerful as the yes. Word of God, yes. you're, it's, in, you're, it's inevitable you're going to have different splinters and yes. wrinkles and variations. Yeah. You, yeah. You're not going to be able to get around that. You're not going to get around that. And even if you look at, so Ephesians 4 is, so there's three sets of gifts because, you know, the Trinity. So you have the, uh, in Romans 12, you have the motivational gifts. In Corinthians 12, you have the spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. And then in, in um, Ephesians 4, you have Christ who gives the ascension gifts. And if you look at the, four, the five of those, you know, it's called the, the five apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So if you look at that, the apostle says, hey, you know what the church needs to do, Charlie? The church needs to, we need to be planting more churches. It is proven that number one form of evangelism, most effective evangelism is church planting. We need to plant more churches. And the pr- prophet says, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we plant more churches, we need to start bringing truth. We need to start bringing correction because we got people, they live in wayward lifestyle. They're making dumb choices. We need to, and then the, uh, the, the evangelist says to the prophet, whoa, 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 hang on. You're, you're down this road of teaching the people. Man, do you know there are people lost on their way to uh, hell? They're on a, a, we need to do everything we can. We need to redirect all the budget. And then the teacher says, hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not even... T-. And then the pastor says, we just got to love that. Do you know how many people are in hospital? How many people right now? Are and so uh, are, are they all wrong? No, they're all right. And Jesus set it up. He throws five different giftings with five different viewpoints together. So... In, in Genesis 11, we see the first picture of unity in the Bible, and unfortunately, it's the unity of the wicked. So that's why you'll find that the Democrats, they can get behind the most crazy, that they unify, and yet the, the righteous, the Republicans, we eat each other, you know, we're not holy enough, we, not yeah, right enough, not whatever. Yeah. Bec- and that's why Psalm 133 says, how good it is, how blessing it is when brethren dwell together in unity, for there the Lord commands a blessing. God, com- God will actually bestow a blessing if we can put our differences aside and focus on what we have. When I went to, to Rob's church, 
I didn't, I didn't look at any, any theology. You know what I saw? I saw a man who loved his God, who loved his country, who loved his beautiful bride, his beautiful family, and poured truth and grace like I, I'd hardly seen to his congregation who were drinking from this fountain. I thought, my God, this is one of the richest springs in California, if not in America. And I thought, I just immediately fell in love with the McCoys. And I'm like, you know, and of course, you know, and that's, I think that's how God wired us. You know, he's going to have a different experience with God, a different encounter with God. Mm -hmm. And I can learn and it sharpens me and it gets me to go back and revisit. And I think that's how God wanted us. If he made us all cookie cutter and all cookie cutter theology, I think there's something broken. There, there's a, an old adage when he put pastors in a room. It's called the porcupine theory. <laughs> And you got, you, got, you got a lot of great points. Just keep them away from me. <laughs> That's right. And, and the quills have to come down. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't mean yeah. at the expense of truth. Mm. And, and, of course, as you describe these different offices, mm. you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm. And, and every strength comes with a weakness. An unguarded strength mm. is a weakness. And so we endeavor to keep that union of spirit and the bond of peace. And, mm. and, and vice versa, when I went to your fellowship, things I'm uh, unfamiliar with mm. in my own fellowship, mm. but blessed beyond measure yeah knowing that we're a kindred spirit knowing yeah. we're knitted mm. we'll work out the details later we believe <laughs> in the deity of christ the yeah. trinity the inerrancy mm. of scripture and as as we venture into these different areas of theology and someone's going to want to slam you and play whack-a-mole mm. calm down we got work to do because we exactly. got to roll in the same dire and, direction yeah. for the sake of the nation and what, what i feel called to do though um is and we're starting to see it is is start to motivate and organize these pastors yeah. towards yes. unified purpose yes, because exactly you don't have robust theological debates of dominion yeah. dominionism versus reconstructionism yeah, or reconstructionism or dispensationalism in north korea it just doesn't happen yes yeah. that's not a no. that's that, that sort of debate you, if you don't get the fundamentals right of the society yeah. that allows you to do those things pretty much nowhere in the 1040 window longitude yes, no, that's 90 percent right. yeah. that's right that and so so let's let's get into that why is the christian church then let's just say generally well i mean you guys again we don't get into the disagreements you have different churches, different ways of doing it, but you agree on the big things. Why all of a sudden are you two finding yourself to be totally in agreement and lockstep on action items? What what changed? Because this would not have happened a decade ago. You're gonna maybe, let me, let me jump not? on this one. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was hoping you would. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it comes down to the church if for the last fifty years has been doing church, and as you you've articulated with the concept of ecclesia. In Matthew 16, upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia, my assembly, and and liberty and equality are above the doors, on a secular term. Hundreds Iso of years. Isonomia and eleutheria. Isonomia yeah. and eleutheria. Long before Jesus had used that term, it was a secular term. He didn't say synagogue. He didn't say temple. He didn't use a religious term. So we're to engage in the public square, mm. and and from the public square, then we can have this debate and reason together on pre-trib, pre-millennial, post-trib, uh, you know, pan-trib, <laughs> yeah. where it all pans out in the end. We, yeah. we can go through all these different aspects. Yeah. We can argue our eschatology, the yeah. sovereignty, Calvinism, yeah. Arminianism. Mm. But we will never be able to have that debate if there's not freedom. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and freedom Without comes... freedom, yes. Freedom is a byproduct of liberty. Mm. I always mm. say that mm. when the Apostle Paul says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free, he's, he wrote that in prison when he wrote that to the church mm. in Galatia. Mm. He, he wrote that from prison. Mm. So liberty isn't 
isn't freedom. Freedom is having choices. Liberty is doing what's right. Mm. Proclaim liberty throughout the land, the law, mm. the, the wise mm. restraints that make men free. Mm. Free, when you have restraints, then you have options. Mm. Meaning, mm. you apply restraints towards evil in order to pursue excellence, you'll be able to enjoy things at a level mm. never before obtained by man mm. because you applied restraints. And, and the illustration mm. I, I use is pa- Patrick Mahomes, mm. you know, Super Bowl win, unbelievable game and while he was playing and enjoying football at a level of excellence I would never attain to the reason why is because I watched it from a, a comfortable chair with a big bowl of potato chips yeah, yeah. and a big coke mm-hmm. and and I wasn't practicing every yeah, day sure. watching game yeah. films yeah and he took it to a level that very few could achieve because mm-hmm. he applied restraints when others wouldn't get up in the morning to exercise or to lift weights or to watch the game films mm-hmm. he did mm-hmm. we know that as human beings mm-hmm. And, and so all of this, the, regardless of Calvinism, Arminianism, Biblicist, you know, Dominionist, Reconstructionist, whatever they label, we all know this. It's critical that liberty is God's idea, not man's idea. And as his bride, we must contend in the ecclesia for that. Yes, and so amen. we're rowing in the same direction. Yes, amen. Does that help, Charlie? It does. Well, I, I would even just add on to that, that, you know, Jesus says a new command that I give you. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Mm. And, and what we saw in the body of Christ is we saw the elevation of our, you know, what we perceive were our theological differences. And our differences defined our denominations. You know, the, the Baptists believe that they had baptism right because they believed in full immersion baptism. And you got to baptize backwards, not forwards. Yeah. All this guy. And so it, <laughs> it just got out of control. Whereas Jesus said, by this will all men know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So what I found, you know, being married 29 years is that Leanne has some, some things that, you know, I'm just not, you know, like she, I like sport. Her sport is shopping. And I, you know... Is that going to be the Olympics this year? Oh, probably. <laughs> I mean, my wife would win gold if it was an Olympic sport. But, <laughs> but she, she loves if I go shopping with her. And I'm telling you, after 10, 15 minutes, I am, my brain is already done. Like with, Me too. She, but Can't she loves it. it. And so because I love, because I love her, and I think when it comes to the body of Christ, what... I like I love and when you know quite often I love people of all these denominations because I see the fruit of what they're doing I see the heart and I see the heart they have for Christ and they preach Christ and Christ crucified and their boast is in in the Lord and you see the hand of God and then I, 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 I love because I come from such a dysfunctional broken family I look at the pastor and the next the next thing I look not very far I look to his left and right and I look at his bride and his kids. And, uh, you know, when I met Michelle and when I met, you know, just Mikey, and the, I mean, just stunning. So I fell in love with Rob. He could, he could have all kinds of crazy, I love him. It's not going to change. And, and for me, in fact, it, I'm going to look forward to sitting mm. at the table. And I think that, you know, that, that's, that's something that I've learned, but I've learned it because... Um, it's it's a value of Christ that we should have love, and this will. But, but, but sorry, no, go ahead, please. But but people, you know, I think when 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 we start ostracizing different people from different denominations, no, because but what, of, what's, when are we exercising yeah, love? But look what we're saying though. This is the funniest thing: is that mm. we've been told to stay away from politics. 
Politics is now bringing the church together. It is. Isn't that the craziest a, thing? Come on, give me some. That's a good word. <laughs> but that's that's the whole point is yeah. that Jurgen, Rob, Cadiz, Ken Graves, Engelhart, mm-hmm. John Randall, Hibbs, mm-hmm. yeah. Phil Green, Frank. Yeah. Farrington, you know, Greg Farrington. All the, yeah. I mean, Greg it's actually kind of yeah. like we yeah. love Jesus, Alec, we love yeah. God, we believe in the yeah. Nicene Creed. I don't think yes. yeah. you guys yeah. 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 Nicene Creed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have a beautiful country, we're losing it, let's mm-hmm. start to act. All yes. of a sudden, what if in a unique twist of events, politics is now going to be the unification sh- of the it, church? We, well, that the ecclesia is what we're supposed to be pushing yes. back the gates of hell on. Yeah. So that the church is operating in its wheelhouse. And I would also add, last night when you gave that screaming message, and I, it was it was phenomenal. I've never seen so many people come to an altar. Oh, call I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was so great. But you pointed out, you you talked about how Christianity is a bottom up religion, mm. and that our founders created a government that, that's so bottom there. up. Mm. But I thought about something, Jurgen. Mm. I thought when I shared with you prominent and preeminent yeah that there are some prominent individuals in Christendom that are yeah. preachers, musicians, they're prominent. They're mm-hmm. gifted and they're prominent. They have mm-hmm. followers. They've got a social media mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. Uh they sell and they fill buildings. They're prominent. Mm-hmm. But their followers and their their prominence and their popularity mm-hmm. Uh, is more important to them than the preeminence of Christ. Yes. Because to take a stand on certain issues that would lose your prominence, you compromise that. And I would say this. When you said that Christianity is bottom-up... It's so good. And the problem that we're facing in America is we have a top-down government now where everything Mm. is being centralized to federal, where they wanted to push it down to the individual, we the people. Mm. From the pulpits of America, we got to be careful. Yeah. We talk about an anointing on an individual. Yeah. Push it out to the people. Yeah, exactly. When we start Always. to <clears throat> when we start to equip the people, yes, to be the sovereign to of, do the, the, of the, the nation, ministry, we four. the people. Yes. When we equip them to be yes. disciples, to understand how we live together. Yeah, you don't lie, cheat, mm. steal. You don't. These are necessary mm. moral knowledge, yeah. and we pr- then all of a sudden mm. the church finds unity and mm. commonality. Mm. But but when we mm. are wanting to. Mm centralize it and make mm. it about an individual mm. and the mm. popularity and the prominence of that individual, mm. then we have to define ourselves. We're not like them. Yeah. We baptize backwards, not yeah. forwards. Yeah. And but, we'll but, show you this. But the cool thing is that the, the, po- the political fight right now, the ecclesia as it's yeah. meant, the well-being, maybe that's, maybe that's why that word was used because all of a sudden you're seeing mm. churches acting more yes. cooperatively in a yep. way you've never seen before. And so, yeah. You know, let's really get into that where we have a lot of people, and my heart breaks for them, but we're going to solve this problem for them. Where, first of all, a lot of people that have come to your church because of politics, a lot of people that have come to your church because of politics, and politics, which is the highest form of community, according to Aristotle, because it. Morality and sociability. sociability. That's right. And we could do a whole podcast on Aristotle at a different time, um, which there's a lot there um, to to unpack. But with the interesting thing, is a lot of people, we're going to fix this, a lot of people email us, they say, I live in South Carolina, I live in New York, go to Englehart's church, I go to Rhode Island, my church isn't open, my church isn't political, they're staying away from it, what do I do? And what's amazing to me is that, you know, we need to get more pastors yeah. active on this, we got to get more people, and so let's just, let's just take this right here. Right now, someone is listening to this on our podcast in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't know one pastor who's open or conservative in the state of Wisconsin. I'm sure there is one. But like let's just what do they do if they're going to a church that isn't currently political and they're they're discouraged? 
What do they do? Well, uh, I'll answer that question. Let me just Please. make this shout out. Okay. Maybe if you know someone in Wisconsin. Yeah, if you're a pastor in Wisconsin and your church is open and y- you don't have masks and That's there's true. no social contact distancing, us. would you yeah. please contact us? Um, and you're teaching Bible-based. Yeah, yeah. You, know. you, you hold you hold to the essentials, the yes. deity of Christ in our yes. scripture. Because I know yes. someone in Albuquerque, Steve Smotherman. Yes, right? come on. We, we got know someone in Charlotte. Charlotte. Yes. Troy, Troy Maxwell. Troy Maxwell. Yeah, yeah we know. Freedom so, House. So we, we're starting to build that network. Yes. And, and as we build the right. network, and then for the folks that can't the find Ecclesia it. the Ecclesia Network. Come on. Yeah. I love that. The Ecclesia Network. The Ecclesia Come on. Network. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's solid. I like that. No, but the Wisconsin thing. Just, yeah, I, so, I, just, I just picked yeah. that on my hat, right? Sure. So. I, yeah. I, I, I would say the first thing you do is tune in to one of the folks mm. whose church is open. Mm. Don't don't live stream a church that mm. is only doing mm. live stream. I totally agree with that. Don't reward that. Yeah, don't reward that. Tune into a church that is mm. and, and then contact us and, and then we'll we'll reach out to you and then we'll also do our best to find you a pastor that's open we, we will find you one yeah. yeah and so i just had someone you know in new york and they said hey who do i go to Engelhart's church king's college yeah das ist ein david Engelhardt. <laughs> yeah i, I had and some good german name that's right oh yeah that's uh and i had somebody else email uh, me from uh right in north georgia and i connected them with uh frank's church yeah uh calvary chapel chattanooga and yeah. someone just emailed me about your church in yeah. San Diego literally um, an hour wow. ago. Uh, and they were like, where do I go? I was like, is Jurgen there? I was like, Awaken yeah. Church, go. Yeah. Um, and now we got uh, Pastor Barnett yes. right here in Arizona. Phoenix, yeah. uh, Dream Phoenix, City Dream Church, C- Dream yeah. City wide open, church. great. Wide but let's open, go a yeah. level deeper, though. Okay. Yeah. And this is the other question we get because we have really active listeners. Yeah. They say, Charlie, I'm burdened. Mm. This pastor has been teaching me for 15 years. I've tithed to this church, mm. right? They helped my marriage. They help my finances, and now we are not seeing eye to eye on this. What are they supposed to do? All right, that's a tougher. Qu- we got well, a lot it, of those it, too. It, it's not a tough question. They helped you for a season. Thank them for that input into your life. Be gracious, and and lovingly and kindly say, at this season in my life, uh, I I don't see this church operating to to restore and maintain our nation. And I don't see that you feel that this is important. I, I love you. Thank you for all you've done. We're not leaving in anger. We're just leaving. What would you say, Jurgen? Yeah, you know, I, I would agree. I, I think I would maybe at least have the have a conversation maybe yeah. prior to that one. Try to get him you to know, change. With, with that pastor. Because um, the, the nature of a pastor is, is, is you know, he's, he's the shepherd. And the shepherd loves the sheep, has yes. the smell of sheep on him, cares for the sheep. So like, like um, Pastor Rob was saying before, you know, a hammer sees everything as a nail. Every strength also has a weakness. And so if we, if we identify that the weakness of a pastor, like a good pastor really cares for his sheep, but the weakness is that you can care too much what the sheep think or say. And so there's a lot of pastors right now who because of the the mask mandates, the mystery with the COVID, the BLM stuff, the BLM stuff, all the deaths, the spiking, Dr. Fauci, you know, like all, all of this kind of stuff have have felt like, my God, I am not, am I not protecting my sheep if I'm not open, if I'm not stepping back, if I'm not? Yes. And I think what we need to do is we need to, because courage is infectious. When I went and saw what what they were doing at God Speak Church, 
that courage leapt into our spirit. We went Amen. down resolute on how we were going to move forward. And despite the bullying and the intimidating of our city and the hit and smear pieces that are still pretty much every week in the, the media, uh, we're, we're not... You're flourishing. We're, and we're flourishing, but we're not, we're not changing track. We are open without masks, without social distancing. Now, we've got polar ionization units. We've got... Um, temperature check as people walk in. You know, we've got we've you got, got everything. something more important than that, though. You have liberty. We have liberty. We have Which freedom. Is why we're here, right? We're, we're not fr- here to be locked away and thrown out. I and, mean, and the longer we go, as by past- mandate. Yes, and as Pastor Rob says, the longer we go on this thing, the more we find out it's ninety nine point nine eight percent recovery rate. Why are we killing, shattering businesses and and wrecking our children's education and and mandating the wearing of masks, but I would just say, have a conversation with your pastor and just say, hey, listen, would you listen to Turning Point USA? Would you listen to Charlie Kirk? Would you go and podcast Godspeak? Would you listen to some of their podcasts? Because their podcasts with the people that, that he's interviewing who are in the medical field, who are in the political field, who who are behind the scenes. These are people who are working day in, day out. The information is out there. There's, yes. there's almost no excuse. And what pa- pastors just need is they need courage and they they need camaraderie. And uh, and I think that's that's what that's what the uh, the the ecclesia network yeah. network is going to produce. I, th- I think it would be real helpful uh, and and qualifying. We've had that question before. And I did share what Jurgen shared, that you go and approach the pastor and try to reason with Always, them. Always, yeah. yeah. But I was assuming that the question, forgive me, I thought the assuming the no, question was they've already tried to do it. And, and that, a lot of those questions, they have. Yeah. So I would add that it would be good that we put on an Ecclesia Pastors Conference, and in addition, we put on an Ecclesia Congregant congr- uh, Conference, where they can come and be educated in in understanding a realm that has been neglected by the body of Christ for over 50 years. There's, and, and there's some things that we're, we're planning. I know we are. Good. <laughs> I, was, I was just priming the pump, Charlie. I love it. And we, it San Diego, I hear, is nice this time of year. It's a wonderful time of year. It's pretty much nice all year. And, and so a lot, of cri- a lot of Christians got fired up through, through both of you. You guys have yeah. congregants um, that came to you and all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? I'm into this political thing. June of 2020, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they started to give money maybe to Trump. They started mm-hmm. to knock mm-hmm. on doors. Mm-hmm. They started, and then all of a sudden, they saw, we lost. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, I'm never doing this again. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to do this. Can you guys speak to the long-term nature of the commitment to save the republic? Because yeah. there's some people that got mm-hmm. on the political sugar high, as I call it. Yeah. Right? They. They took a lot of sugar in. They're like, whoop, I love this thing. Yeah. Right? We're going to see a real win. Yeah. Love America. Now, all of a sudden, mm. for me, I'm a little unfazed by it because this yeah. is a multi-generational struggle. Yeah. yeah. Can you guys speak to that? I, I'll, I'll jump on it because for our congregation, I had prepared them because I'd, I'd already run uh, four times for office. I'd won three of the four elections. And, and they were used, being in, in California, and you're going to contest this, we're used to losing. Everything we vote for loses every election. But we know what we're, that we're in this for the longer haul. And what it did is it, it the, the people that were on a sugar high realized it was idolatry. Mm-hmm. So how do, we, how do we make sure that Christians getting involved don't make an idol out of politics? Because they never get discouraged to continue. Mm-hmm. The, they, they keep 
they keep at it because what they do, they do is under the Lord. That's yeah. it, that's exactly so right. So l- let me let me throw this. I've got four four kids. My youngest two, Tommy, is now here at GCU. He's nineteen. Zoe's twelve. And in Tommy's last couple of years in high school, he was playing high school football, and he was kind of like a a second or third string uh, wide receiver. And that that kid works so hard in the summer and the the summer of 2017 was brutal i mean hot like you know we were having the santa anna's 100 degrees and he's there twice a day 6 a.m and then back there at two in the afternoon practicing till five o'clock six o'clock at night in his sweats he would come home and his football gear stank we had to like you could wring his shirt out and he got in the first five or six games, I think he had maybe three minutes of game time. And I could see he was discouraged. And, they, and the coach kept playing running games rather than throwing games. And we had a really brilliant quarterback, but the coach, his disposition is running. He doesn't do throwing. And so even many of the, the parents, you know, angry. Anyway, so we're in the car going home and I could see he's discouraged. He's worked so hard and he's got so little to show for it. But it was such a powerful teaching time that, son, it's part of the team. It's part of what we do and the discipline of that. I remember Zoe worked really, really hard to play volleyball and their first game, they got obliterated. I mean, destroyed, three games to zip by and what they did was they played last year's champions in the very very first game and this was zoe's first year playing volleyball well she's crying in the car she doesn't doesn't want to play anymore she's no good at it you know and so we just had to teach and i think um you know one of the things we've got to got to remember as we go down the theology road that that there was probably no greater theologian and rubble agree than the apostle paul wrote two-thirds of the new testament he says this, he says, you know, you guys have got a thousand instructors, so a thousand people who can teach. Remember, he's a Pharisee, so he's used to the scribes and the chief priests. Because you guys have got a thousand instructors, but you have very few fathers. And he saw one of the deficits was they had theology coming out the wazoo. But he says, what's missing right now is, is the spirit of fathers. When God, when God wanted to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah, you know what he did? He sent in a father. Av- Avram means exalted father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say omnipotent creator. He taught us to say our father. And I think that what we've got to recognize is that, that our congregations, that yes, we're the pastor, but even more than that, there's a, there's a spiritual father and that absolutely they worked all summer and they came home with dripping wet from door knocking and yeah, we took a licking. But it's all part of the process, and this is what teamwork mm-hmm. looks like. And it's just that father encouragement, just keep going. This is good for you, the discipline. Yes. We're going to get a win. You're going to get a game, Tom. We're going to have a – it might be a small victory. We may win on a school board. We may win a local election. But I think it's just that spirit yes. of father. Well, and the left has been doing ecclesia while we've been doing church. Yeah. Mm. I agree that Paul was the greatest theologian. But Luke wrote more of the New Testament than Paul did. Luke and Acts, more pages. Oh, more pages? Paul wrote more books, but mm. I'm just saying. Shut up, Rob. 
The porcupine my, thing. Yeah, porcupine. <laughs> it, it, and, and that's the reason why there's Protestant ministers is because mm. the position of Pope is taken. Mm. We want to prove to everybody that we're right. You know, mm. we're just, it's crazy. Mm. I, I have a relative mm. whose name I'll leave out, Navy SEAL, mm. training with the boats during Bud's Week. Mm. His team was always behind. They carried these boats, small team, but I think seven guys to a boat. Mm. Carried them on their head. They had to run everywhere in Coronado with these things. Mm. They had a weak link on that. They got rid of that guy, got another one in. They began to win every race. Mm. The Bud's instructors were yelling at my relative, yeah, saying, you know, uh, you need to be in the front. So he runs out in the front instead of pacing his team. He gets back and wins the whole thing, puts the boat down, and the instructor says, we didn't tell you to put the boat down. Makes them do lunges with the boat until they're exhausted. Let's everyone go. The next team comes out, they have to do lunges with Old Misery, which is a big 700-pound yeah. oak log. And he realizes he's let his whole boat crew down. They're all going to DOR. They're going to drop on requests. They're done. And he feels responsible for it. Finally, when it's all said and done, and they're doing lunges and they're exhausted, they let them go to the chow hall. They get there. The instructors come over. They won the thing. And they were punished. And all these guys, you know, he's destroyed his team. They get to the chow hall. The instructors come and they think they're all going to get demerited and get in trouble. They write them up positively. And they said, and this was the, the instruction, when it doesn't make sense and it's overwhelming, you didn't quit. And, and, and as my relative, I'm a nephew, his point was, if I'm ever going to go to war, I'm going to go with those guys. Yeah. Because I know they won't quit even yeah. when it's crazy. Yeah. And our entire congregation yeah. through each of these things has been strengthened. Yes. Amen. Mm. And, and it's, mm. it's all part of the mm. equipping. Mm. It's okay. Did, did, you, did you ever on that? I just had the, my brain, forgive my brain. Uh, there's still parts of it that God is still redeeming. But did you ever see that Olympic goal that Australia should have won in the rowing? No. And they were like, they were like, literally 50 yards out they were like almost three quarters of a boat ahead and then one of the rowers quit one of the australian rowers. one of the australian why rowers in the female just to celebrate or no she just quit she just quit and then and then she got she got peed that that the teammates were upset with her and then because we have a very left-wing media they were saying it was sexist or something I, no, well it was all, all females, females but it was like the, the left-wing media came out defending her and she has the right she doesn't have to you know if she wants to quit she has it and it's like well let don't compete in the freaking olympics but she team. literally you if you watch it it's i won't say her name but she became a household name the media had one spin like she's the victim the rest of australia were like what a jack wagon <laughs> That you are like literally 50 yards from the finish line and then she just kind of collapses and, and doesn't just like she doesn't just stop rowing. She lunges back on the rower behind her and takes, the, takes her out as well. So they got no medal. So they end up silver instead of gold. Silver instead of gold because she quit. And so, it, you know, it was it was it, it literally divided the nation again. What year was this? Uh, it's going to go back maybe a dozen years or more. But watch this. When, when they say that, you know, America, America is divided, you know. Right but but <laughs> Biden... Must okay. have been the Beijing Olympics, yeah. Um, um, when, when they say America is divided, you know where the division is? It's the, the division is between the elites 
and we the people. Yes. They're trying to make us believe, oh no, the division is amongst we the people. Oh no, it's not. No, it's not. That's we right. got You come to my church, we have 135 different nationalities in our You're church. A very diverse church. Very diverse. And they all get on yeah. on a Sunday. What are you talking? There's no, what are you talking about? There's no, div the division is between the elites. Yes. And we're seeing it right now. Oh, we've got to have re-education camps. Oh, we've got to do something about, the, the only division is in the elites and we the people. That's where the division is. It's not fragmented here. And I think we've got to just keep, you know, encouraging our people that, hey, um, you know, we may, we may lose some battles before we win. But every loss we're learning, every loss we're getting closer. The difference in the church, the division in the church is part of the church sees Christ as prominent. Mm. He's preeminent. Yes. T and talk about the difference. Then. Well, the difference is it doesn't matter if we lose every battle. Mm. We're told to do it. Mm. Mm. And Christ is preeminent, and my job is to be obedient. Mm. You know, when um, Jim Elliott mm. died at the hands of the Aka Indians, mm. And, and you, you have a, a Christian uh, programmer saying to Elizabeth Elliot, isn't it wonderful that they all came to Christ? His mm. death wasn't in vain. Yeah, wow. And she stopped him and she said, what? had not one yeah. Indian come to Christ, his yeah. death wouldn't have been in vain. He exactly. was obedient. Yes, exactly. I mean, like just humbled the yes, guy right exactly. there. And, and yeah. Elizabeth Elliot was a yeah. force to be reckoned with. Yeah. The, the, the prominence is you, you, you're prominent in the Christian music world. Mm. You are gifted. You've sure. got talent. Yeah. You've got followers. Like a certain liberal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I don't, honestly, yeah. I don't know the man. Sure. But he's prominent. Yes. His music's prominent. Yeah. But when an immutable trait, yes. a God-given mm. immutable trait mm. is used to define racism, mm. that's not biblical. No. And so... You're you're prominent, yeah. But but Christ is no longer preeminent. Yeah, you're following, mm. and the, and 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 your concern over what others will think has taken precedent over mm. God's word, which is preeminent. And that's and a problem. That's a problem. And and what what it comes down to, Charlie, is um, the Bible talks about the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth, or the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. But it's amazing because the devil offers human beings fame. So we were, we were created to, to walk in fellowship with God, to experience the glory of God. And my pastor in Australia says this. He says, the, the beautiful thing about God is God never lets the glory rest. He, it, he, the, the son glorifies the father. The father glorifies the son. They glorify the... They never let it rest. And yet human beings, we, want, we, want, we think we can handle the glory we can't. And so uh, the devil offers fame. If you view all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and their splendor, if you will bow down before, I will give all of these to you. And the, the, what happens with people with success, and this is the kingdom of Nimrod, which is the spirit of the world, is that, that uh, these artists become successful. They have followings. And it's not just artists. It's preachers of mega sure. churches that have mega followings. And, and what happens is, and Pastor Rob's right, they, they make it an idol. It becomes idolatrous. But what they do is they stop giving all the glory to the Lord 
and they actually start looking for fame for themselves. And so it's all about their Instagram followers, their Facebook, you know, their hits, their likes and all that kind of stuff. We were never created to be that. One of the favorite stories I remember reading as a, as a really early Christian is that of a lighthouse keeper. And this lighthouse keeper has a young apprentice and there's this massive storm and these waves are 30, 40 feet high, smashing and literally shaking the lighthouse. All of a sudden, boom, one wave hits so big that it extinguishes the light. And they know that there are ships out at sea in these massive seas trying to get into the harbor. And they're the last lighthouse before the harbor. If they don't get that light on, these ships are going to be smashed against the rocks. So the lighthouse keeper says to the young apprentice, he says, we're going to have to go climb on the outside rail in the pitch black with these massive seas to manually turn the light on. And the young apprentice says, but if we go out, we may never come back. And at that, the lighthouse keeper puts his hand on the young apprentice's shoulder and says, we have to go out. We don't have to come back. And I remember it just was such a powerful story that it just... It just resonated in my early Christianity days that what God is asking me to do, it's not, it's not pragmatic. It's not based on guaranteed outcome. It's based on would I be... Many years ago, he asked me when, I, when, I, when we started our church in, in San Diego, he, the Holy Spirit asked me crazy questions. He asked me this question. He says, could Judas serve on your team? I'm like, what? He's like, could Judas serve? I'm like, oh, not he a chance. Does. <laughs> not a chance. I said, let me just tell you right now, my team is so loyal. They love me. I said, and I know them. Man, I'd sniff him out like that. And then the Holy Ghost goes, oh, so you think I made a mistake? And then he asked me again. And I realized what he was saying. He's saying, could you pour into someone? Could you love someone? Can you invest into somebody? Even if in the end they would hurt and betray you. What he was, what he was doing, God is always measuring he was measuring the capacity of my heart to determine the level of ministry he could entrust me with. And I began to realize, oh my God, forgive me. You didn't make a mistake. Yes, Judas could serve on my team. I'm not serving for guaranteed outcomes. I'm not forcing loyalty. I'm obedient because that's what you require. The outcome, that's icing on the cake. Yeah. I'm going to take that and and say in my observations of you, Charlie, especially at Turning Point, you've seen people come in and out of this organization and many have gone on to have unbelievable Mm -hmm. success Mm -hmm. uh, and prominence. I've been with you through some trying times, some very difficult circumstances and challenges to this organization. And I have never heard you derogatorily speak of anyone who's left this organization mm. nor anyone who works at this organization mm. and and love hopes all things mm. and people are not the enemy they're the opportunity mm. we're gonna get hurt mm. we wish them well if they lie to us mm. that breaks our heart mm. but everyone's flawed and we move on mm. and I, I think that there's gonna be a capacity for that in the coming days where mm. We're going to realize if we don't stand together, we're going to fall apart. I, yeah. I don't know who the Judas is in the organization. I'm, I may be the Judas in the organization. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, is no, it me, Lord? No, is it me, One Lord, of you exactly. betrayed me. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know. Well, the Judas example is even 
harder to comprehend because Jesus yeah. knew he was going to betray him. Yeah. yeah. Well, was, and none of the other guys knew it was him because mm. Jesus treated his enemies the same way he treated mm. his friends. Mm. And he got to carry the money bag, and Jesus mm. knew it. He's like mm. stealing. It was crazy. Mm. So I, I think that that is that's, – that's a – that's a fair assessment for us mm. to apply to our lives. Mm. That I, I watch you. you. You engage with the lowest mm. and the highest mm. as far as organizationally, and they're all the same. Mm. And, and, mm. and I'll, I know you don't like this, but I'll say this one thing for folks. I've been with you when you asked me to share Christ with a friend. Mm-hmm. I won't tell everyone who it was. But suffice it to say, I didn't know who it was. And, and most people in the world would have never have gone to a dinner with that individual to share Christ with them. They would have gone with ulterior motives to get something from them. Mm-hmm. And you, I didn't even know who he was till later. And I've watched this, that it's always about people. Mm-hmm. It, it must be. Mm-hmm. Because our role is to make sure that folks live in such an environment governmentally yeah. that they flourish. Yeah. Amen. And that, and that's that's and I never tire of that. Thank you for the you bless the me kind words. And that and that's you know and that's such a, a beautiful. I mean, for someone who's twenty seven, the the level of Christ character. We are never more like Christ than when we forgive. You know, the Bible says it's it's the glory of the Lord to overlook a transgression. You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. So Christ's hanging on the cross. The Romans pierced his nail, uh, pierced his wrist with nails crown of thorns mock spat you know the whole thing now they're gambling for his clothes and Christ says father forgive them they don't know what they do number one they're not asking number two they're not deserving but Christ didn't come all that way to then all of a sudden have a character change on the cross who God is is he's a forgiver we are never more like Christ than when we forgive transgressions and sadly we're never more like the the evil one than when we hold bitterness and Mm. resentment and life's too short. Life's too short. Are, are we going to get wounded? Absolutely. You know, God loves people. When, it's, when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, it's not, he, he didn't love terra firma. He loved humanity. He loves people. They bear his image and his likeness. And the reason that we're engaged in politics is because politics at the end of the day affects people. Yep. It affects the welfare. It, it exactly affects the right care. Here. It affects the opportunity right. of people. So for a church to say, hey, I'm loving the things of God, but I'm not engaged in politics is an oxymoron. You can, if you love God and if you love people, you will be engaged in the political right. arena because it affects lives. But if you love politics more than people, you'll compromise That's right. the protection mm. of the people for the sake of your power from politics. Or you become a Democrat. <laughs> or, or, an, or an establishment Republican. Yeah. Or an establishment Esta- Republican. Or a rhino, exactly. Well, uh, Jurgen, you got a dash. Uh, you know what? Uh, I got a text message. They're still going. So okay. Yeah. Well, so I've got longer I, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. So I want to keep on building that out. Unless Rob, you have to dash. Well, well, I got about ten minutes or five, ten minutes. Okay. But I will say about yeah, Jurgen. Very casual. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this about Jurgen. Uh, when you describe the picture of Christ on the cross, mm. the thing that always hits me: He's God, right? Yeah. Nails don't hold God to a cross. He's God. Yeah. Loved it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. He willingly laid his life down for mm. us, and we mm. do the same for others. Mm. Yeah. While we were yet sinners. Yeah. We, we serve mm. really difficult people. Mm. Mm. 
So Jurgen, I want to pick up on what you just said there. Yeah. And Rob, you can cut us off whenever you have to dash. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm good. So keep beautiful. going. Bring no, it. No, no, no. It's great. Yeah, bring it. Uh, which is that if if you and I love the way you framed it, which I think that every pastor should hear that. So we're going to make sure they do. Uh, which is that if you care about people, mm. if you care about humanity, mm. then it's almost impossible not to also care about politics. We have to. And, we have to. And this this kind. The system of government the founders gave us, yes, which was biblical truth, yes, with enlightenment values, yes. which is God, the, the realization of God's mm. creation. That's all mm. the enlightenment mm. was was the enlightenment of what God had already created. They yes. didn't create anything new. Yes, they just discovered what was already there. Yes, Newtonian physics. Yes, they were just oh wow, look yeah. at all of this that's already here. Now we yeah. can articulate it and we can better master the world around mm-hmm. us. The system is so good mm-hmm. that you're allowed to not care about politics. Yeah. Is that now that it's changing, all yeah. of a sudden pastors that previously were on the fence are saying, well, maybe I have to get back in, mm. where it's impossible to say you care for the welfare of the city around you, Jeremiah yeah. 29 yeah. something. 29-11. Yeah. Well, actually. Yeah. No, that's the, through there. Yeah, no, it says, yeah. I know the plans I have for you, but the yeah. previous verses yeah. up to 29-11, yeah. pray There's for the peace of the city. The there peace of the city, the welfare. In there it's impossible to care about the downtrodden yeah. and not also care mm-hmm. about Mm-hmm. Politics. Yes. Politics is such a overused term. We've used sure. it a lot on this yeah. conversation, this podcast. I, I just prefer civil society. Yeah. And it's impossible not to care about civil society. Yeah. If you actually care about the welfare of the people. And if you think you can do it outside of civil society, having a civil society, mm. it's you need the framework. Yes. Where do Don't call it politics. Just call it ecclesia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't call it politics; call it ecclesia. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what it is. Yep. Yeah. And so, every pastor, regardless of their fluency in government, yes. must begin to step up and speak about yeah. this. And the Bible says a lot yeah. about civil government. Yeah. Can I can I jump jump on just just one thought that I think that that is has almost become like even the reluctant pastor we've been able to almost like strong arm to the table and get an exasperated agreement and alignment is around the the topic of abortion. I completely agree. So let me give you three biblical perspectives on why just using the window of the issue of abortion that pastors should be involved in politics if they really care about people. Of, of the three, the, the, the first one I would say is this. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, my brethren, you did unto me. There is, there is, no, more, there is no more least than the, the hidden. David writes in Psalm 139, you knit me together in the hidden, in the dark, in the womb. You, you skillfully wrought me together when I was yet unseen. The, Jesus taught that if you are faithful in what is least, you'll be faithful in much. Amen. But if you are unfaithful in what is least or unjust in what is least, you'll be unjust with much. So if, if, if there's a, a political party saying, hey, listen, we want to slaughter and dismember in the womb the most innocent among us, but trust us with your health care. Trust us. We're going to look after Social Security. We're going to look after Medicare. Medicare for all. Free health care. Do you really think that you can trust these people, the welfare of your health? I guarantee you, watch this, the party, and it's happened all through history, that is pro-abortion 
is also the party that once they get that across the line is pro-euthanasia. They kill at this end and they kill at this end because it's all about political expediency. It has nothing to do with welfare. So the, the first one is whatever you do for the least. The second one is we should care about, you know, all, all the ultrasounds, all, 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 the, the, all the science now tells us that life begins at conception, that there is a heartbeat, a detect, detectable heartbeat within six days. I mean, th- this is a little human being and we should fight for all lives, even unborn lives. And the third one is a biblical, a little bit deeper in theology. But the third one is this. When the children of Israel, when God finally brings them into the promised land, he's, they've gone through the wilderness wandering 40 years, all the naysayers are gone. It's the Joshua and Caleb generation. God's bringing them into the promised land. He gives them this very, very stark, very sobering reality check. And he says, do not think that I am bringing you into this land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a land flowing with milk and honey because of your goodness, because of your righteousness. He says, the reason I'm bringing you into this land is because of the transgression, the wickedness of the people in this land who caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire to Moloch, who sacrificed their children to Baal. He says, when you enter the land, when I give you this land, be careful not to do the same things that they did because they shed innocent blood, the land vomited them out. So Psalm 24 verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yeah. The reason the devil is so, in, so, so driven to bring abortion is because he knows that the righteous part of God must at some point say enough mm. is enough. I have to avenge the shedding of innocent blood. And the devil now is able to have a field day. His agenda, which is destruction driven by a hate. Now, he hates Charlie Kirk, not because of what Charlie Kirk does. He hates Charlie Kirk because of who Charlie Kirk is. When he looks at you, he sees that you bear the Imago Dei, the image of God. The image of the one who dismissed him from his place and he is filled with a, a rage. He hates humanity. He hates people. And so he wants God to lift his protection from America. And we have to fight because we, we don't want people's lives to be destroyed. Amen. We don't want to go through another Holocaust. Hitler, 1939, when people say it doesn't matter who the president is, I'm like, you obviously you weren't around in 1939 Germany when the, the National Socialistic Democrat Republic, sounds very similar, party was elected to power. But what, what happened in Germany should never happen again. What happened in 1920s through Stalin should never happen in the world again. What happened with Mao, Chairman Mao should never happen again. What happened with Pol Pot should never happen again. What happened with Idi, I mean, it, history keeps repeating. When are we gonna learn? Christians have to get engaged. It's all, really well said. Yeah, I'm I'm blessed by it. I, when you were speaking of this idea of abortion, one one of the the fallback positions of the woke Christian, prominent Christian side, as opposed to preeminent for Christ, is that oh we we only care about the babies in the womb, but when they're born we don't care, and somehow that justifies their position to be pro-choice, and, and which is nauseating. And, and it makes no logical sense whatsoever. But this also brings together 
the disillusionment or the struggle of those who worked diligently in this last election and lost. Yeah. And they don't understand why. Yeah. And they saw a pro-life president. Yes. They saw all these things and they don't know why. And yet we watch the church completely silent, imploding yes. and silent on the subject, which yes. is supposed to be the soul of yes. the nation. Yes. And and a man who, who never, I don't think he ever publicly professed being a Christian, sure. nor was baptized, nor mm. attend, had mm. public membership to a church. Mm. He wrote these words, second inaugural address. He said, both read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. It may seem strange that any men should dare to ask a just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of another man's face. But let us judge, not that we be not judged. The prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. Second inaugural address. Lincoln understood, unlike the pulpits in America, this was an issue over four million slaves. Wow. And that's why we lost 2% of our nation yes, on a field of battle. That's right. You don't kill a million babies a year in America and no. thank God to turn a blind eye. Yes. This is way bigger than all of yes. us. It's time we awaken well, and repent. And also, I, I want to just, every Christian should take a huge stand against this line of thinking. Like, oh, yeah. you only care about them when they're born. Well, first of all, every, show me one public policy measure that the Democrats support once the baby that is born that is actually better for them. Yeah. Schools. Yeah, exactly. Crime. Yeah. Education. Family. Yeah. yeah. Food stamps. Inner city poverty. Mm. We as conservatives actually families. have. Yeah. We as conservatives actually have the most pro-human policies mm. after they're born too. Right. Yes. And this is a bunch of nonsense. Just because we don't want to expand the welfare state doesn't mean that we don't care about that child once they're born. Charlie, I've been a pastor of this congregation, God speak, for 20 years, 21 years this year. Congratulations. Uh, it's awesome. I've survived. That's amazing. It, well, it's a great mm. congregation too. Good Beautiful. people. Yeah. From day one, I have said publicly and have been on record, and the entire congregation knows this. You know any woman who is considering an abortion is willing to keep it because we'll help with the, the birth and the cost, and we'll find a home for it. Yes. We'll take care of it. In 20 years, we haven't had one person take us up on that offer. Mm-hmm. Not wow. one. That's right. So don't, don't give me that garbage. Well, and, and also, it, pregnancy crisis centers exist. Yes. Most people don't know yes. about that. Yes. And there is an abundant array mm. of willing mm. churches like both yeah. yours that would support. Yeah. And we've adopted, by the way. But, yeah. but also, let's just yeah. Talk, yeah, let's just talk about the public policy side of it. We stand for educational choice. Sure. We stand for more police to stop the slaughter of yeah. seven. Mm. You know, there were seven hundred fifty homicides in Chicago last year. Seven hundred fifty. Mm. I mean, th- these numbers would stun, mm. Colum- you know, Bogota, yeah. Colombia. That yes. Like, that sounds like yeah. Baghdad. Seven hundred fifty yeah. homicides. Yeah. So, so don't give me that nonsense yeah. about. We don't care about the human being. Yeah. We are the pro-human party. We just are. Yeah, we and, are. And we, we, we shouldn't allow that. Yes. Not Because we kind of like back down yeah. where we're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you are right. No, no, no. You want yeah. more social social safety nets not to help them, yeah. but to restrict them. Yeah. You, you want, hold on a second. You're trying to tell me you care about the child after they're born. You want to get put in transgender curriculum. Yeah. You want to put in graphic sex mm. education for mm. that nine-year-old yeah. you want to put in critical race theory mm. you want to tell 10-year-old black kids that you can't succeed just because you're black 
because of their immutable characteristics. Rewrite no, history. you're anti-human. Don't give yes, me that nonsense. Yes, exactly. The conservative agenda is pro-human from mm. inception mm. all the way to their last breath. Yeah. And that's that's yes. the, that's the truth that needs to be communicated. And and again, and it comes back to don't don't be fooled that the reason they want to expand welfare is not because they care about the people. Of course not. They want to increase because they want to increase their power over Amen. people. That's what it's all about. The reason why they give away free stuff mm. is because even the cheese in the rat trap is free. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, free free stuff comes with a price and it's your freedom. Amen. When a government is giving you something for free, it's at the expense of your freedom. Well, and this is what I tell everyone who might get a stimulus check. Yeah. If you need it, mm. spend it as you need it. Mm. If you do not need it and you are going to spend it on Netflix or whatever, mm. give it away. DoorDash. Yeah. Go give it away. Yeah. Give it to a church. Give it Brilliant. to a pregnancy crisis center. Yes. Give it away. Yes. Do not take that money mm. uh, for anything else mm. than try to multiply the good yeah. in the world. Yeah. And if you need it, totally use it. I get it. There's yeah. been a lot of businesses shuttered and shattered, and I'm not trying to diminish that. There's a lot of people that brag about on social yeah. media, people I know in my life, oh, I got $1,200. And you know, if yeah. they only knew yeah. how well I was actually doing, a blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Man, that is, that's not moral, man. No, it's that's not. right. And somebody, we're paying that with inflated dollars. Oh, my god. We're paying gosh. that with deficits yeah. that we are going to owe and debts that we're going to owe for a long time. And go at least use that little, you might not, it's not a little, $1,200, yes. which is significant, yeah. to go maybe bless somebody else. Yes. Amen. You know, it's interesting, on, on uh, my wife and I, we, we, we both have, over, especially over the last couple of years, become quite a bit more vocal on, on our social media, especially on our Instagram. And unfortunately, it, it lost us pretty severely, relationships yeah. even, Amen. you know, 20 years of... of uh, family connection gone, and uh, and I remember this one very very vocal from Australia got on, and had been discipled many years ago in our ministry in Australia, and now because of the cult, the church culture there had moved away from truth into you know wokeness, um, brought up that whole argument. Well, you know, you guys, you know, you only care about, you know, you're so pro-life, you're so narrow when you're thinking, what about, what are you guys doing after the child is born? And what was amazing was we had through Compassion International asked them, what is one of the, you know, one of your biggest needs right now? And they had an entire village that needed sponsoring in Peru. And so we said, let us have a look. And it was massive. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars in infrastructure and everything. When I brought that to the church, and this is, you know, caring for people after they're born. When I brought it to our church, hoping that we could get our church to support this one village, our church so unanimously stepped up that right now we are supporting eight entire villages Amazing. in Peru. And we have five orphanages. A and place that, most people never visit. Never visit. We have five five um, orphanages in in Mexico, and we're about to add another three to that plus a school. So you know, and so when we push that, we never heard back from that person. I'm not sure whether maybe you know their feed went mute or whatever. But it's but but we hear that argument all the, all time. the time. But he, here's what I would say, and I would just say that um, if you think, oh hey, because we don't care for people after, we shouldn't care before. The way to care for people after is to care before. If you don't care about people in the womb, you're not going to care after. That's exactly right. In New Zealand, um, there was a very, very powerful Māori woman. The, the Māori people, the indigenous people, 
very, very powerful minister. I mean, powerful minister of, of the gospel. And I remember she was, and, and the, the Maori people um, are, are very spiritual, but it's demonic. So there's a lot of uh, casting out of demons and deliverance that happens uh, because they're into astral travel, uh, ancestral worship, you know, idolatry, everything. So this particular minister who discipled my brother-in-law was in a meeting where there was a woman who had, she, she was abusing her little children. She had a, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and then uh, an 18-month-old. And they had like bruises and burns on them. And she came weeping, this woman weeping, troubled, because she was abusing her three, three little ones. And this minister immediately stopped and said, you've had, had an abortion. And she breaks down, starts crying. She goes, I've had two abortions. So she's, yeah, it's a spirit of murder. Because if you'll abuse on this side of the womb, you'll abuse on this side of the womb. Praise for her. I mean, it was a demonstration like biblical times. This woman fell back, her eyes rolled, and she began to growl. And like this voice, so it's a woman, this voice, like this demonic, like a male voice starts screaming out of her. She gets delivered and set free. I remember that family was had just joined a church. I remember being in that church maybe two and a half years later, speaking in that church, didn't even recognize her. She comes up to me. The kids are grown. They look, she looked like a completely, she looked five years younger. But it was, it was just a powerful illustration that if you don't care on this side of the womb, you're not going to care on that side of the womb. So the argument of, oh, well, you, don't, you only care about that, we have to care on this side. Yeah. If we don't care on this side, we won't care on that yes. side. And, but we, the, and, and the, I completely agree with all of it. Uh, it's just that talking point is nauseating to me. It, yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a virtue signaling thing saying that. It's a clinging symbol and a sounding it is. brass. It's like we, 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 we want a Leviathan state, therefore we care about you. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. Okay, you want the open borders so kids can be sex trafficked. You yes, just want to exactly. be prominent. Not, yeah, you yeah, don't want Christ yeah, to be preeminent. Yeah. So I think you got exactly. a dash, right, Rob? I do. Everybody, uh, you can email us your questions about this wonderful conversation, freedom at charliekirk.com. This is on the Godspeak YouTube channel. Yeah. And this will also be on our podcast feed. Jurgen, any way that people can stay in touch with you? Uh, First of all, if they're in San Diego, they should go to your church. Awakenchurch.com. Yeah. A lot yeah. of San Diego listeners. Oh, come on. So, And then I'm just on um, on Instagram at Jurgmeister, but my <laughs> wife is mad with me because I've just re-overtaken her on and she's at Leanne Matesius, and she is so beautiful, so diplomatic, and great wisdom. So if you've got the choice of only following one of us, follow her. You could follow both. Yeah. Rob, the real McCoy? Uh, you know what? Uh, we're just we're, we're, we're going to be doing um, Vintage McCoy, but we're going to launch that in a few I love in that. about a week and a half. Vintage but, McCoy, yeah. like, a, like a beautiful vintage vehicle. Yeah, but if you That's go to you. godspeak.com, you'll find the YouTube channel. Everybody, thanks so much for watching. God bless you guys.